0: i'm carson horn and it's wednesday at 10 which means it's time for talking tumors on weagle 91.1 so grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling well we are officially back on air this is talking tumors i am carson it is so great to be back in action to be back on the air, be back on podcasts, however you're listening. It has been way too long. It has been a long summer. It's been a long time since April was the last time I was on air, and, man, has a lot happened with Auburn sports. I went back and looked at my show notes from my final show back in April, and, man, the things that we were talking about then are so far in the past. So much news happened over the summer. I'm not going to go back and rehash everything. We're not going to live in the past. I'm going to talk about the here and now. I hate I wasn't able to talk about those things throughout the summer. If you were following me on Twitter or or social media, you saw a few things that were big enough for for me to just post about uh, since I wasn't on air. But I I did want to quickly touch on a few of those things that that were happening just to refresh your memory of where we were. At that point in April, Auburn baseball was still struggling. They would go on, as you would know, to end up hosting a regional. Auburn basketball still not finalized their roster. We didn't know who was coming back. Was Jani Broom going to stay in the draft? Ended up being closer than uh, many of us thought, including myself. But he was back Auburn football is still figuring out their roster. They were going to have more guys come in. It was a busy summer of recruiting for Auburn football. But with all that being said, it's football season. So we we can talk about recruiting. We can talk about all that. But today's show, we're going to talk for an hour just about Auburn football. And I cannot wait. To, to get rolling here and discuss everything that has gone on in fall camp so far and where this team is headed. They've had two scrimmages down. I believe that's going to be it. Now they'll turn to game prep as they are less than two weeks away from hosting UMass and Jordan-Hare Stadium. 2.30 kickoff. I'm sure it's going to be hot. This week is absolutely brutal in Auburn, uh, especially for afternoon practices. I'm not sure they're if they will be able to be outside what the NCAA rules are uh, regarding heat, because it is going to be absolutely horrendous. There's a QB battle, or is there? uh, Hugh Freeze named Peyton Thorne, the starter for Auburn. We're going to dive into that in just a uh, minute. But I want to start out just with just kind of an overview of Hugh Freeze and what he has said about fall camp so far. Now, I think the thing that has stood out to me the most about Hugh Freeze is, quite frankly, his openness. I don't know. There are coaches who are very open. There are coaches who are very honest. There are plenty who give coach speak and, and whatnot. But as far as I can tell, I believe Hugh Freeze is one of the most honest and open coaches that I've seen or heard from in college football, certainly at Auburn. And just going back to our previous two head coaches with Brian Harson, I thought at times he was open and honest, uh, other times not so much. Gus Malzahn really wasn't. Uh, if you remember a little bit uh, about Malzahn, he was very always uh, paranoid, there's the word, uh, about what uh, opposing teams and coaches were, were getting on him. So he was not open at all press conferences, and of course, that's where it came with fans being constantly frustrated the fact that Gus Malzahn would always say "Great week of practice, great week of practice," whether Auburn won the game on Saturday or lost it. And eventually, you know, it came to the point where it really became a meme. It's like, well, you know, we had a great week of practice, no matter no matter the result on the field. At least we had a great week of practice. So that was that was always uh uh funny uh, with Malzahn. But getting to the point with Freeze, I'm going to read a quote here in a second that kind of encapsulates how Hugh Freeze has been as Auburn's head coach, and I really appreciate it. And I've talked about this back in the spring, and I think because he was doing it then, it caught my attention at that point. I think he does it for a reason. I think, one, he likes to use it as a message to his team. You've heard that about Nick Saban a lot, using the media, talking to the press as another way to talk to your team. I also think he wants to set realistic expectations for the boosters, for the fans, for everyone involved in this program. He, he doesn't want the expectations to uh, supersede the reality of where this team is at. So this is what he said uh, after the uh, second scrimmage uh, on, on this past Saturday. Quote, our second scrimmage kind of ends fall camp in my mind. The two trips to the stadium we've seen flat. Referring to the first scrimmage they had at the stadium two Saturdays ago. We've had great practices this week, and I didn't get that same sense of energy. So to put this into context, the fir- after the first scrimmage, Euphries was frustrated. He was frustrated with the wide receivers, in particularly, he was frustrated with how the players responded to the heat in the stadium. And so you're thinking, okay, you know, typical coach, coach speak here will be, we had a great scrimmage today. The energy was so much better. Great improvement from last Saturday. That wasn't what you got. You got It still wasn't good. It still wasn't good. So, no, does it make you feel good as a fan to hear that from your head coach? No, it doesn't. But you should appreciate the honesty, I think, as a fan, and certainly I think members of the media really respect that from the coach. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to go out and tell you every little thing about every little player and be completely honest about this play means this, all that. No, I'm not saying that. But the honesty about how the team is performing, where they're at at this point, even going into strength and weaknesses of the team, uh, it, it is pretty remarkable to see uh, from a head coach. So that that is something that has stood out to me, and I thought that was important uh, to point out. Now, as you freeze, the things you're complaining about, you got to address. So why is energy lacking? My guess is these have both been morning time scrimmages, but you're going to have 11 o'clock kickoffs. So those are things you have to uh, prepare for and the team has to improve upon. But with that, let's get into the quarterback situation. So before I was able to come on air this uh, about a week ago this to this day, Hugh Freeze named Peyton Thorne as the starting quarterback. After the first scrimmage, there was a little bit of question marks. I really never doubted that Peyton Thorn. I don't think many people did that Peyton Thorn would eventually be the starter. Hugh Freeze did not bring Peyton Thorn in, where he was a no doubt a starter at Michigan State to come and sit on the bench at Auburn. That just wasn't going to happen. Point blank, it it, it was going to take something absolutely insane out of either Holden or Robbie for Peyton Thorne not to be the starter. And you must give credit though where credit is due. Both Holden and Robbie. Seemingly, have had good fall camps, and they have pushed Robbie I mean, and they have pushed Peyton, but not to the point to where they superseded him. But after the first scrimmage, Hugh Freeze allowed uh, some some rumors to get to flying, allowed some, some people on social media to say, "Oh, Robbie, you're holding may actually win this job." I'm not saying there wasn't some noise there that, that Hugh Freeze had to go back and and reassess the matter. But it didn't take him long. I think when he went back and watched the film, he he decided, no, okay. Actually, Peyton Thorne was better than I thought in in real time. He's our guy. So Peyton Thorne's the quarterback. And the reason that Peyton Thorne is the quarterback is Freeze pointed to his decision-making and his understanding of the offense. Those are the keys. Ever since Peyton Thorne has gotten here, if you've read articles about him, Hugh Freeze is pointing to Thorne's work ethic, his leadership, his constant asking of questions. He is what you want from a quarterback. You want your quarterback to be your best leader of, of your football team. And the effort and the time that he has put in off the field, I think, has been eye-opening to this Auburn coaching staff. And, uh, so much is so to, to, sh- to share a story about his character that multiple different beat writers have written about Peyton Thorne talked about wanting a staff directory at the football complex. He wanted to get to know everybody in that complex by name. That uh, that represents great character. And I'm not saying that Holden and Robbie don't have that. We haven't heard as much about them as we have about Peyton Thorne. But those kind of things stand out to coaches. Now, that doesn't mean well, there's a lot of great great people in this world, a lot of good people that would have done the same thing as Peyton Thorne. you still got to deliver on the field. But he has done that and he has a grasp on this offense, which, to me, that that goes to show the work ethic off the field because Holden, Holden and Robbie have both been in this offense since the spring. Remember, Peyton Thorne came in after the spring, and so the fact that he has a better grasp on this offense than those two is pretty remarkable in my mind, uh, the work that he has put in to get to that point. And then decision making again. RPOs, the option routes again. thus getting into things that are above my pay grade uh, to to really understand as far as football goes. I have a basic concept of it, but those things uh, and with are, are key for this uh, RPO means run pass option based offense. Apparently, according to Hugh Freeze, Peyton Thorne has the best graphs on that. As far as Robbie Ashford goes, because he seems to be the number two, again, Holden has had a great camp, but I think Robbie has improved. I I don't think there was a way that he couldn't with the coaching that he has gotten if he put in the work that he was going to improve as a passer. Hugh Freeze said this after Saturday's scrimmage on Robbie. He's going to continue to push Peyton if he keeps playing like this. That's exactly what you want to hear. He he, uh, went on to say Robbie's had his best three practices uh, since the news of Peyton Thorne was announced starting QB. You could not ask for anything better if you're Hugh Freeze after announcing Thorne as the starter. No doubt Robbie was disappointed. He should be disappointed by the fact that he has continued to play his best, uh, practice his best. It's a great sign for Auburn. He's going to have a role. Robbie Asher's going to have a role in this offense. He is too talented. He is too great of an athlete. What that role is going to be, I don't know. I'm not sure the coaching staff has that nailed down yet. But he's going to have a role. I believe the key for him is, again, continuing to develop in the decision-making and his passing uh, precision-wise will be key for him moving forward. I hope I hope that he stays bought in to this program, stays bought in to this team. If he does that, it'll be beneficial for this team, and he will help this uh, Auburn football team win games this year. I firmly believe that. As for Holden, I don't think anybody's argued the last two years that Holden is is the best, has the best, throws the best pass of all the quarterbacks at Auburn, has the best arm of all the quarterbacks on this Auburn roster. However, there's more to it than just being able to throw a pretty ball. Again, it goes back to decision-making, the understanding of the offense, so forth and so on. I also believe Holden has a bright future. Will that be at Auburn? Will that be somewhere else? I hope it is at Auburn. I hope he hangs around. I also like Robbie Ashford. Hope that he stays bought in. Can he make a move to be the backup quarterback? Possibly, but I, I think that if something were, if someone were to replace Peyton Thorn or something were to happen to him injury wise, I do think it would be Robbie Ashford at this moment. I guess the argument would be. Could Holden be number two, and Robbie, again, be just a certain packages in place? I guess that's possible. I'm not seeing it at the moment based on the comments from Hugh Freeze. I believe that Robbie Asher will be the backup quarterback. But with all that being said, it is nice to be a, a little less than two weeks away from the game and have the quarterback situation solidified. Last year, you remember, it was still a quarterback battle between TJ Finley and, and Robbie Ashford really, uh, we weren't completely sure going up to the game. Of course, the years before then, uh, up until Bo Nix's freshman year was the last time we had a quarterback battle. But it is nice to to have that um, to have a quarterback named. I think it's good for the team to know where things stand. It allows them to continue to work on developing the offense, giving more reps to Thorne in, in practice. I I don't think there's a negative of continuing uh, of naming a starter at this point. I know there's some different opinions on that, but you look at other programs around the country, including some top ones like Ohio State, like Alabama, who have still not named a starting quarterback, It I think it is a disadvantage more than it is. I think it's a much bigger advantage for teams that have announced the QB. So I think that's very good news for Auburn that they can move forward uh, getting ready for game prep knowing who the starter is going to be that's gonna wrap up our first segment we've got a ton more to talk about and when we return I'm gonna dive into position breakdowns looking at this roster and this team so stay tuned on talking tumors we'll be right back it may be hard welcome back to talking tumors here on Weagle 91.1 so back in the spring I did position breakdowns I talked about what the roster looked at each position. But there's been changes since then. There's also been a lot more practices, so there's been more information coming out about where positions stand. So I'm going to go through every position group on this team from least confident to most confident going into the season. So I'm going to talk about the players at the position, what concerns me about that position, what I have confidence in, and so forth and so on. So let's go ahead and dive right into it, starting with my least confident. This was difficult between the linebackers and defensive line for which position group I'm least confident in. But I'm going with the linebackers. Your presumed starters at the moment look to be Austin Keys and Eugene Asante. Now if you're an Auburn fan out there, you're like, well, who's Eugene Asante? Well, he's not a new transfer like Austin Keyes is. He's actually a transfer from last season, but he didn't touch the field last season. So that makes you wonder, oh, so he didn't touch field last season, but he's going to be a starter this year? That, that doesn't make you feel good, and I, and I got it too. Uh, when, I, when I started seeing and, and reading that, that Eugene Asante was being a starting linebacker, I was like, what? I'm like, really? With all the guys that Auburn brought in, remember, Also brought in Larry Nixon. You got Cam Riley returning, Wesley Steiner returning. I I was very much caught off guard. Eugene Asante, someone who was a non-factor last season. But apparently he has had a great offseason, been a great leader. He looks really good physically. Uh, The Auburn social media staff put a lot out there of him on Instagram and, and on Twitter. So he has really come on for Auburn, and that's a really good thing. Austin Keys, I think, though, is the only one who is like sharpied in as a starter at linebacker for Auburn this season. He's a transfer from Ole Miss. The concerns with him are injuries. He is a little bit banged up. I don't believe he played in the scrimmage this past Saturday, but as he's, if he is healthy, I believe he will be a starter for Auburn. He's the leader of this defense. It sounds like, according to what Hugh Freeze and what Ron Roberts have said in, in his uh, limited media availability this fall. So, I like Austin Keys. I'm confident in him. Uh, he played well at Ole Miss, but he also had injury issues, as I mentioned there. But when he was on the field, he was a good player for them. So, I like him a lot. The second position right now is Eugene Asante. I think that could change. I think that could change multiple times throughout the season as players get healthy, as different guys start to stand out. But right now, that's where we're at with the starters. At uh, the backup positions, you got Cam Riley. Cam Riley could play anywhere. He could play anywhere from inside to outside to the jack linebacker position, which is your edge rusher type of position. He's the utility linebacker. He's someone that has so much talent and so much potential. I think there's been a little bit of frustration This is, again, this is pure speculation on my end, but it seems like he should be one who should be solidified as a starter, and it doesn't seem that way. It doesn't mean it's bad to be a utility linebacker to be versatile. In fact, that's a good thing, but at this point in his career at Auburn, I feel like he should be locked in to a position uh, on this defense, and he's not. So for me, that's a little frustrating as a fan, as someone who has a lot of confidence, and I like Cam Riley a lot. Uh, I I wonder what is holding him back at this point. But I do expect him to um, make some improvements and you play, still play a lot this season for Auburn. Then you got Wesley Steiner, who has really, seems to have been banged up pretty much all of fall camp so far. In the spring, if you remember, he was starting at linebacker in the spring. But. He hasn't been healthy, so therefore he hasn't been starting. If he gets healthy, will he surpass Eugene Asante and move into that starting role? It's possible. I don't have a great feel for how that will go uh, at the moment, but we've got uh, Eugene. Uh, we've got Wesley Siner there as a backup. Then you've got Larry Nixon. He was the transfer that came in after the spring from North Texas. Had tremendous stats, led North Texas in tackling, but he's coming to the SEC. Obviously, there's a big difference uh, from North Texas and who you're playing against uh, than at Auburn. Can he work his way in the starting rotation? We will see, but right now it seems that he is also a, a backup. He's someone I really did think was going to start uh, despite coming from a from North Texas. He is a little bit smaller, though. Maybe that's what's holding him back. We'll see. Again, I think at linebacker, like a lot of positions that I'm going to go through today, it's a little bit fluid. And then you got Robert Woodard, who is a redshirt freshman. Also, someone who I think the coaching staff wishes would come on a bit. Uh, when Ron Roberts spoke to the media uh, over a week ago, he, he essentially said it's now or never for, for Robert Woodyard to kind of step up, make a name for himself. I don't know if he did or if he didn't. Right now, I think he's lower on the depth chart. and I'm not sure that we will see much of him. And I'm now I'm going to go to the jack linebacker position which is the edge rusher position i'm including it with linebackers and not with d line because technically that is what it is is a linebacker you got Jalen McLeod and Elijah McAllister who are going to be your starters let's start out with Jalen McLeod. more than likely will be a pass rush specialist but there have been a lot there's been a lot of talk a lot of hype about Jalen McLeod and the player that he is. Um, some would argue that he might even be the best athlete on the team. That is great to hear. The jack-slash-edge position, whatever you want to call it, is one of the, has turned into one of the most important positions in college football because of getting, because of the way college offenses have evolved and have become more pass-heavy. This is a huge position of importance. So having someone who is as talented as Jalen McLeod transferred from App State is really good for Auburn, that he has been a a hit, that this was somebody that they wanted, did not know how talented he would end up being good news for Auburn. And then you've got Elijah McAllister, who will probably be your first and second down run-stopping edge. I don't think he'll be anything overly impressive. But he's a big force. He'll be able to hold his own. He's been playing in the SEC, of course, transferred from Vanderbilt. He's a fifth-year senior. I think he'll do the job. Again, as I said, I said the same thing about him in the spring. You're not going to hear much about him. I don't think he'll have a ton of stats, but I do believe he will do his job. And then Auburn also brought in Steven Singh. So he was a transfer edge from Liberty, so he's got familiarity with Hugh Freeze, obviously, Josh Aldrich, and linebacker's coach. So that adds some depth. But my concern here, and the reason I have linebackers at eight, is because of depth, really depth at Jack. Again, I only mentioned three guys there. I mentioned Cam Riley couldn't end up playing there. That's not deep. Now, Auburn's only planning to use one Jack linebacker. They're not planning on having two like some uh, defenses will. But still, that's only three deep. That's not deep at all. You would like to have more there. And then the overall talent. I Because of not hearing better things about Cam Riley, not hearing better things about Robert Woodyard, I am concerned about overall talent. And as much as we've heard about Eugene Asante's improvement, he's still someone who wasn't a factor on last year's team. So the fact that he's slated in as a starter right now, yes, it, it does give me concerns. So that's why I have linebackers at eight. At number seven, as I mentioned, I have the defensive line. They could very easily be eight as well. And let me just make this side note. It does not please me to have the front seven of an SEC defense as my two greatest concerns of a football team. It doesn't, and I know it doesn't for Hugh Freeze either. I don't know that his list looks exactly like this, but I do think D-line and linebacker are a position of concern for him, and that's not good for a physical conference like the SEC, the best conference in college football. You want your front seven defensively to be at the top of of your list of what, what you're most confident in. Unfortunately, because of the roster, even with the transfers and recruiting that Hugh Freeze has done, he's done a tremendous job, don't get me wrong. It's still not where this team needs to be, but it is where it is, and you got to make the most of it. With that being said, let's jump into the defensive line. For your starting defensive line, Marcus Harris, he's been a two-year starter. He's about to be a three-year starter for Auburn. Uh, ben, he transferred from Kansas a few years ago. Really, really good player. Probably going to play the three technique, which means outside shoulder of the guard. He's versatile. He can move around, though. If he needs to play more inside, he will. But he probably will not need to because of guys like Jason Jones and Justin Rogers, who will be at nose tackle. I put a slash in between them. I think they're going to be interchangeable. They could even play together in some packages. Jason Jones, you remember from last year, 6'6". Over 300 pounds, massive transfer from Oregon, but he didn't make a big impact last season. Will that change this season? Auburn certainly needs it to, and so I certainly hope that he'll step up and have a better year. With his size, he certainly can be a force if he's made some improvements. Then Justin Rogers. This was a former five-star recruit. He went to Kentucky. He's at Auburn now. He's over 340 pounds. Massive, massive person. However, Jason Jones is still ahead of him at this time. There's been some, some frustrations, I think, a little bit with the staff of uh, some some effort and how he has put in uh, to the offseason program and being in shape and so forth and so on. You get what I'm putting down here. So will he make the, uh, the, the proper adjustments to be able to be a, a formidable force this year on the defensive line? I think that's to be determined. But if he can be him and Jason Jones are going to be important pieces to nail down the beef and have the beef up front to match the uh, these F- SEC offensive lines. These two guys are going to be arguably two of the most important players on Auburn's team this year. Then you've got Messiah Nistil-Kite, who will play defensive end uh, for Auburn. You, uh, he's the transfer from Maryland. He could also play the three technique as well, like I mentioned with Marcus Harris, so he does have some versatility. I don't know much about him. I know he had decent stats in Maryland, but things I've read about him have been good. I do, and right now it looks like he will be the starter. Again, we will get a full roster. Just another side note here, probably by the end of this week, maybe early next week, on what the actual depth chart looks like going into the UMass game. As for backups, you've got Lawrence Johnson, who is a transfer, another Big Ten transfer, like Messiah Nasil Kite except Lawrence Johnson was from Purdue, and so he comes in, just adds some depth. I don't think there's anything extremely special about him, but he does add depth. Then you've got Sledge, who is a redshirt freshman. Uh, he'll back up Jason Jones and Justin Rogers at the nose. I don't see him playing that much, but we'll see. You never know what can happen. Then you've got Keldrick Fault, the true freshman, big-time five-star recruit according to rivals. out of Highland Home, Alabama. He has the potential to start. I do believe he will start over uh, Messiah Nassil Kite before the season ends. He was a little banged up, didn't scrimmage this past Saturday. Uh, I don't think he was too big of a deal, though. Really, really excited about him. They had him a little bit as a Jack linebacker, but I think they've gone more towards traditional hand-down defensive end, which I thought from the get-go would be the way to go. Uh, with him because of his size, because of his strength. He put on a good bit of weight this offseason. Very, very excited about his future this year, next year, and to come. And it, And his brother could be committing to Auburn this uh, evening. Uh, his brother named J.J. Falk, who's in the class of 2025. And then to close out in the backups, you've got Zeke Walker, Zacchevious Walker, you may know him as, been in Auburn for multiple years now. Stepped away from the team for personal reasons last year. He is back. He'll also provide some depth on the defensive line. He was a really highly rated recruit, but really has not been able to make a name for himself at Auburn. Can he develop this year? Can he play a pivotal role? We we shall see. So, again, similar to linebacker, depth is a big concern for me here, and also the overall talent with the what the. The news around Justin Rogers and and how he's performing has given me some concerns. Jason Jones being not proven because of the way he played last season. That's why I've got concerns about the defensive line. You would like to have 8 to 10 guys that you're really comfortable playing almost interchangeably. I think uh, Jeremy Garrett would back that up, Auburn's defensive line coach. I just don't think that Auburn's at this point But they're going to have to rotate because you saw last year, the defensive line straight up wore down. That cannot happen. These games are going to be hot, especially early. They're going to be physical in the SEC. We all know that. Need to have depth at D-line. All right, we've got to take another break. When we get back, we will continue down the list. Stay tuned to Talking Tumors. Back to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. We continue with the position breakdown going from least confident to most confident. At number six, I've got the wide receivers. I think some people, they would have wide receivers a little bit further down the list, maybe not at six, but that's where I have them just because there's a lot of unknown. There's just so much unknown about this position. In fact, it's the hardest position for me to predict depth chart-wise, and I think that's because really Hugh Freeze, Philip Montgomery, Marcus Davis, I'm not sure they know for sure what the starting depth chart is going to look like at the moment. But this is my best guess. I'm going to start out with Jay Fair. If you remember, Jay Fair was a starter, I believe, week one last, last season. Eventually, Javarius Johnson, who plays is a similar type of receiver, ended up surpassing him. He's been Auburn's leading receiver the past two seasons. However, Jay Fair may just pass him up again this season. The question is, can Jay Fair hold on to that position, unlike he was able to do last year? will practice translate to the game. In other words, he's another person who has really transformed his body. He's a small receiver, extremely fast. He looks really good, uh, has been one of the most impressive guys in camp, apparently, so far this fall. But we'll see how that translates to the game. Right now, I've got him predicted as a starter. Then you've got Shane Hooks, the transfer from Jackson uh, State. He transferred to Auburn, originally was... Uh, thought I think maybe even committed to Ole Miss, flipped, uh, came to Auburn, and this was a big time get because he may end up being the best receiver on, on Auburn's team this year. He had an insane one-handed catch, had multiple touchdowns this past in this uh, past Saturday scrimmage. Uh, Hugh Freeze uh, went on about him and the player that he is. One thing that Hugh Freeze did hit on, though, was talking about Shane, again, going back to our first segment, discussing Hugh Freeze's honesty. One thing that, that uh, Hugh Freeze talked about was, yes, Shane Hooks is a fantastic player, uh, made some fantastic catches, but he is he needs to give that same effort, even when he doesn't think he's getting the ball. That means going with blocking, uh, running routes the same way, same effort, if, if passes aren't designated uh, for you. But he's super talented. I'm excited to really get to watch him this season. I think he can be special for this team. And then third third receiver, I've got Omari Kelly. Again, someone just quiet, just a quiet receiver. R- reminds me a little bit of Shedrick Jackson, although Shedrick Jackson and Bo Nix had a special connection, and he started getting a lot more receptions in Bo's final year at Auburn. But the, these quiet receivers, I have an affinity for. I, I like them. Uh, a lot because they do they they do the dirty work. Amari Kelly's a great blocking receiver, and that's probably why he's going to start. That doesn't mean he's not a he doesn't like to catch passes. That doesn't mean he's not good at catching passes. He will. Uh, I I think there there were some of him catching at least one in the highlight video from Saturday's scrimmage. He'll play a role in the passing game too. He wouldn't start if he couldn't if he couldn't do the thing that the name of the position is receive. So, but I am saying the main reason. He is starting, I believe, is because of his blocking ability. So that's my best guess. But again, this is an extremely difficult position to figure out. I believe every pretty much every guy on the depth chart will play in these first few games and could end up playing the majority of the season. This could be a receiver by committee approach here. But then, like I mentioned, you got Javarius Johnson, you've got Candon Brown, and you got Coy Moore and Malcolm Johnson Jr. All of those guys started last season at some point. Right. Camden Brown was a starter. Corey Moore was a starter. Michael Johnson Jr. was a starter. They all are dealing with injuries. I think even Javarius Johnson. So that's been another factor of why the rotation is why it, where, where it is in this moment. Some guys have benefited from others being banged up. Camden Brown was banged up in the spring. He's been banged up in the fall. Corey Moore's been banged up. Malcolm Johnson Jr. has been banged up. He was hurt. You remember last season for the majority of the season, so those guys got to get healthy. If they get healthy, do they work their way back into uh, a starting role? It is extremely possible, and, and you could argue even likely, for someone like Camden Brown. The argument here with my thing is I would Camden Brown and Shane Hooks are similar receivers. I still believe Camden Brown is a very good receiver. I thought, and he still could be, the alpha receiver on this team. It seems like Shane Hooks may end up being that guy. Camden Brown certainly still could be. But with him and Shane Hooks being similar receivers, I'm not sure that they both would be on the field at the same time. But we'll see what happens. They, If they're both too good to keep off the field, then you certainly could see them both being on there at the same time, and especially in like red zone situation. But I'm talking just in general. But they're, but we'll see. And then you've got Jair Shorter, big-time, deep threat type of receiver, tall receiver that transferred in from North Texas. He's going to have a role. He's going to play. Will he play as a starter? I don't know. Then you got Nick Mardner. Jair Shorter, Nick Mardner, similar type of receivers, big time, uh, big receivers, uh, both uh, tall and stature. And then you've got Caleb Burton, a small speedster receiver transfer from Ohio State. He's got a bright future. He's going to be a really good receiver if he sticks in this Hugh Freeze offense and in this program. I just don't know that it's going to be this season. I think he's behind Javarius Johnson and Jay Fair. That doesn't mean he won't see some time on the field. In these first couple of games, I'm just not sure that he will be a starter or get significant time this season. Again, that's a lot of players that I just went through, and it's hard to separate. Now, you can look at this two ways. You can look at it as, okay, they're all pretty good. Or you can look at it as, but there's no real separation. There's no one who's just really, really good. In the past, I think it's been a little bit of they're all okay. I'm hoping this year, for the sake of the team, there is going to be some separation. That there are going to be some guys that stand out that you can't keep off the field. because I, I do think that, that for the beginning, there's going to be a little bit of by committee. I think all these guys will play a little bit Early on, But by the time you get SEC play, by the time that Texas a and game rolls around, you need to have this re- receiving group kind of narrowed down to where you're playing five, six guys and not, you know, eight. So we'll see what happens, who ends up standing out, who ends up making a name for themselves. Again, extremely hard position, uh, position to predict, and that's why I'm not super confident in it because of the questions I just laid out. They all may be really good, and that could be the reason that, that it's so difficult. And if that's the reason, that is great news for Auburn fans. I'm just not sold on that. I think it could be just more of there's just no no one who's just really next level. Besides maybe Shane Hooks. But again, even that is still a bit of a question mark and an unknown. At number five, I have the quarterbacks. Again, already discussed that that position, already broke it down. So no reason to jump back in there. Almost slated receivers below the quarterbacks. Almost had the quarterbacks at, at six. But I stuck with them at 5. Again, still a lot of unknowns there with Peyton Thorne. We'll talk more about him in next week's show. At number 4, I've got the offensive line. In the past, it has been; it would have been up there at... Probably would have been up at 8. Maybe at 7. But the fact that it's up at 4 is an improvement. Still not... Like I said, if I was... If I were to create an ideal list of the positions that I had the most confidence in for an SEC team that was trying to compete, to win the SEC, to compete for a national championship, my ideal list would have offensive line one, defensive line two, linebackers three. That That's how my, that's how my list would go. But that's not where we're at. But I will take four because that is an improvement from where... Auburn has been in the last few years, not just Brian Harson era, but going back to Gus Malzahn era. This, I think, has the potential to be a solid offensive line. There are question marks, though, and I'll get into those. But let's start with what I've got predicted for the starting offensive line. At left tackle, I think this has been solidified since he came in. Dylan Wade, the transfer from Tulsa, I think he has potential to be all SEC this year. I really do. Really excited about watching him. At left guard, listen closely to this. I've got Gunnar Britton. For a long time, we thought Gunnar Britton was going to be the starter at right tackle, and he still very well may be. But there's someone else that I'll talk about in just a second at right tackle. So I've got Gunnar Britton at left guard. He's always been a tackle, so if he plays at guard, there will be some adjusting that he'll have to do to get uh, get used to playing guard. But being a veteran lineman, I believe he'll be able to do it. And uh, personally, I think this could help him moving forward trying to try and get to the next level because he probably translates more as a guard um, moving up to the NFL eventually, as I'm sure he hopes to do. At center, you've got Avery Jones, a transfer from East Carolina. He's also someone who I believe has had this position on lock, but he has been pushed a little bit, but I like him at center. Then at right guard, Cam Stutz. Now, this one surprised me. I, I, I'll be honest. And I, it's a good thing, though, I'll be honest. This is a great thing because a lot of times as fans, as, as, as media, we, we get so locked uh, locked into transfers, and, and and sometimes we overhype transfers, and, and a lot of times they are better than the positions that are currently or the players that are currently on the roster, but that's not always the case. Sometimes there are still guys that are on the roster that are better than the transfers you bring in. And Cam Stutz said, look, that's going to be the case with me. I'm going to be better than some of these guys they brought in to compete with me at guard. He's improved as a player. He's been at Auburn for multiple years now. So I like this. He is someone who has struggled has not been a great offensive lineman in the past. But I've got confidence, and, and apparently so does Hugh Freeze. He sent him to SEC Media Days this summer. So I am confident he has developed and he has improved as a player, or I don't think he'd be in the position that he is in. So I'm excited. Whenever a player is on a roster and they improve, I think that's an admirable thing that they didn't transfer out when all these other guys are transferring in. So hats off to Cam Stutz. Excited to watch him this season. And then at right tackle, this is where there's some, some big news. I've got Zavion Miller. He was a Juco transfer, and I remember saying back when These transfers were happening back in the spring. I said, Auburn's got to get the five best guys on the field, point blank. I said, if that's moving guys around from a position they may not necessarily have played, then so be it. And that seems to be the case. Xavier Miller been so good, and Hugh Freeze said this about him. Quote, we can't keep him off the field. He's going to have to play. So, they've had to re-examine, okay, maybe we got to move Gunnar Britton to guard. That doesn't mean Gunnar Britton's been bad at tackle. In fact, I think the opposite. It's it's the fact that Xavier Miller has been exactly what Hugh Freeze said. So good, we have got to play him. So, therefore, I've got him at right tackle. That's going to bump Gunnar Britton to guard. Well, that's going to bump somebody else out of guard, meaning Jeremiah Wright and Tate Johnson, who are competing for that other guard spot. That'll move both of them. To, to being backups, and both those guys I've got confidence in, especially Jeremiah Wright. I thought he was Auburn's best offensive lineman last year, and he may not even start this year. Certainly something to keep an eye on. Then you've got Jaden Musgrat, also another transfer from Tulsa. This is a depth piece. It's the SEC, let's be honest. These off these five offensive linemen that are your starters, they're going to get maimed up. So you need to have depth here, and I think Auburn has better depth at offensive line than they've had in a long time. I'm confident in Jaden Muskrat. He can play anywhere except center. Jeremiah Wright can play both guard positions. Tate Johnson can play both guard positions and center. You've got Connor Liu, the true freshman, who really did push Avery Jones to a certain extent at center. He is going to be an All-SEC lineman. I think he'll be an All-American before his time at Auburn is up. He's going to play this year. He will. I, I firmly believe that. He-, he will play. He won't start, but he will play this year. Then you've got Jaleel Irvin, who also hung around, can play center, can play guard. So you've got about five guys. So you've got about nine total, I think, players, uh, about nine to ten guys who I, I have some confidence in on the offensive line. That is a good thing and a uh, good uh, problem to have trying to figure out who who to play. And somewhere, uh, this is a spot that Auburn has not been in on the in the in off- at the offensive line position in a long time. The question mark, of course, is welcome to the SEC, as I put it. Dylan Wade, Gunnar Britton, Avery Jones, Savion Miller, that's four of the five guys have not played in the SEC. They look good. They've done well against Auburn's defensive line. But does that say more about Auburn's D-line and less about the offensive line? That's the question mark in scrimmages. And it's something that we're not going to know the answer to until SEC play. Is Auburn's O-line really that good? Or is Auburn's D-line really that bad? Is it somewhere in the middle? We'll find out. So that's that's the concern, but I feel about as good as I could have hoped to have felt about this Auburn offensive line where it was last year compared to this season, so I'm excited about that. All right, we have got to get one final break in here. When we get back, we will continue on. We'll be right back on Talking Tumors. Welcome back to Talking Tumors. Due to our time running out, I I thought this might be the case today. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to push the final three positions until next week's show, so i have to keep you on your toes, keep you guessing on what the final uh, rankings will be for the remaining positions. We've got three positions remaining that I have not talked about, running backs, defensive backs, and tight ends. So I'm not going to spoil it. I'll break those down next week. Also, I'm going to wait until next week's show to give my prediction. I know I advertised it, my prediction on the season, but I'm going to wait also because of time and only having a few minutes left to do that on what I think the season's going to look like and predicting a record for this Auburn team. But to close out the show here, I'm going to talk in general, and I, I I thought that I need to go ahead and do this segment this week and not next week because there are college football games this Saturday. There's week zero, which you know, really doesn't make sense, but it is what it is. I am excited there is college football again. The biggest game is probably Vanderbilt in Hawaii, Maybe Notre Dame, I think, is playing in Ireland against Navy. Uh, USC is playing this weekend. So because games are going to be played, I need to go ahead and make my predictions for the SEC and for the college football playoff. So for the SEC, I know this is an Auburn show. I don't think I get enjoyment out of doing this. But I do get enjoyment out of being right, so I want to be right. And if I want to be right, then I've got to do things that I may not enjoy doing. And that is predicting Georgia and Alabama to face off again in the SEC championship. i say again, they didn't face off last year. It was Georgia and LSU. I'm not sold on LSU this year. I'm just not. I, I know that their roster is extremely talented. Brian Kelly is a tremendous coach. They've recruited well. Jaden Daniels no doubt improved last season. But I'm still not confident he is a next-level quarterback. I, I, and, I, and I just really am not. And, and so I need to see more from LSU. I don't think they're going to have a bad year. I think they're going to be a good team. I just am not sold that they've surpassed Alabama, even with the question marks in Alabama, uh, with the quarterback position, which there are. There is not a stud quarterback at Alabama this season there, and for the first time in a while. But even with those question marks, I still don't see another team overall who's going to surpass them in the West this season. In the East, and remember, this is last season the divisions, so it could be just the two top teams after this year. In the East, you've got, I've got Georgia. Tennessee will push them. Uh, I, I do think, I, I am high on Tennessee. I know some other people think that they're going to come back down the earth. They will. They're not going to put up the numbers they put up last season. That's going to be impossible. Defenses will adjust. Tennessee's still going to be a good team. Georgia arguably could be better offensively this season than they were last year. They, they named their starting quarterback Carson Beck. He's been in the program for multiple years. We haven't seen him that much, but I think he is going to be very good. So I've got Georgia and Alabama in the SEC championship game. I've got Georgia winning the SEC, though. And then in the college football playoff, I've got Georgia, I've got USC, I've got Michigan, and I've got Texas. Yes, I'm drinking the Texas Kool-Aid. I know. I've done it before in the past. It has come back to bite me. I look at the Big Twelve this year though, and I see a pretty good path for Texas. And I, I like Quinn Ewers. I think they lose in Alabama. I do. I think they lose in Alabama in week two. I think they go eleven and one and win the Big Twelve and go on to the college football playoff. I think Michigan wins the Big Ten. A lot of question marks still at Ohio State. I think Michigan's gonna have one of their best seasons. Uh, well, I mean, the last two years they made the college football playoff. I think they get to the college football playoff again this year. And then I've got Georgia and USC in the national championship game, and I've got USC winning it, leaving the Pac-12 on a high note, heading to the Big Ten as a national champion. Lincoln Riley's got to do it at some point. I firmly believe, and, and, and again, it doesn't have to be this year for him to win a national title He is too good of a coach, though, to not win one. I firmly believe that he will win a national title, possibly even multiple, and I think the first one is going to come this season. Caleb Williams won the Heisman Trophy last year, would have been the number one quarterback taken in this past season's NFL draft if he was eligible. He's going to be outstanding again this season. USC just has to make some, some improvement defensively. If they improve to where they can stop literally anything, then they have a chance to win the national championship this year. The Pac-12, I think, is going to be tough this year for them. But I like the path for USC if they, again, that's a big if, if they're able to make just minimal improvements defensively. So I'm going USC. It's bold, I know. I'm stepping out on the limb with having Texas and USC, two teams that have never been in the college football playoff before, in there. But I'm sticking with tradition a little bit with Georgia and Michigan. So I think it's a fair mix. Again, there are a lot of teams who could play for this. It will be the third straight year that Michigan would get into the playoffs and lose in the, the playoff round, not even make it to the national championship, which I think will be heartbreaking for Wolverine fans. But that's the way I've got it predicted. We'll see how it all plays out. Let me know your thoughts, your predictions uh, on, on what you see happening for the SEC and for the college football playoff. Thank you all for tuning in and listening to Talking Tumors today. It was our first show back. Knocking off the rust wasn't a perfect show, but, hey, we're making improvements each and every week. Again, next week I'll finish position breakdowns. I'll have a a season preview of Auburn and much more. So stay tuned to the uh, social media, Twitter and Instagram. That's why I have more on next week's show as we get closer. Hope everyone has a great week, and we'll see you back. Next Monday at 10, we got to update the intro and outro, but it is now Monday at 10. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Talkin' Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Wednesday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com and follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle, and see you next time.